is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, September 25th, 2019, season 15, episode number 51. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Nick and Dave. Danny's back with us today. Another and it's day. not even Tuesday. Right. We get Woo! a bonus day of Danny. Special um, guest. Yeah, so it should be fun here. we got a lot to talk about. This is, I think, the first week that we've been doing the show this season where uh, where we're going to have our, our, our look at the opponent, and it actually feels like there's a lot to talk about when you talk about all the personnel that they have. Dave's going to have his breakdown of the the uh, Saints' offense, and we'll get into that today. Tomorrow we'll talk about their defense. But when you start going through this thing, uh, there are a lot of guys that you have to talk about, a lot of guys that can be uh, potential weapons uh, for this team, probably more than any other team that we've that the Cowboys have faced this season. We'll get into that in just a second. Before we go there, though, I did want to talk first about a couple guys that are coming back from injuries, a couple guys that are still on the injury report. Catch us up on Xavier Woods and Tavon Austin. I'm going to let Dave do that. They're both at practice. Good. Both, I mean, they're both expected to be limited, but, you know, if you're a veteran and you're practicing on Wednesday, it's always a good sign. That's where they're at. Um, yeah, I mean... Like, well, you got to watch it for the rest of the week. But, you know, we talked about it yesterday. The four- to six-week prognosis for Xavier Woods looks pretty faulty. Yeah. I mean, it's been less than two, and he's practicing again. So um, keep an eye on him. But if you're a veteran and you're practicing on Wednesday, that's usually a really good sign. Um, right. Antoine Woods and Tyron Crawford. Tyrone Crawford. Not practicing. Okay. And that's not surprising. Uh, Luke Gifford is yeah. back, and that is a little not surprising. I mean, it makes sense, but it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. Like, haven't seen him since he hurt his ankle in San Francisco. That was August tenth. Mm-hmm. Been a long time, so uh, he's out there. He's ankle sprain, right? Uh, yeah, looked Which like looked like a broken ankle. Foot was coming off. I yeah. mean, um, but you know. The interesting th- part there is they kept him on this team for for the, the whole time, you know. And I know Dave talked about it a lot. They kept him on the training camp roster. They, he he had made the team. I think that was probably the most expensive interception ever to get an interception and then get hurt like that. Because like, okay, you're on the team. You, you've done enough to be here. But to be here, he's probably they're expecting him to be a special teams guy, maybe active. So I, I'm I'm interested to see when he gets healthy, is he going to have a role on special teams, and whose spot does he take? Yeah, it's funny the the nature of this thing because back at training camp, it's like he's so impressive. He's this undrafted rookie linebacker, and he already made the team, even though he can't practice. And now it's like, well, this is the guy that they've did all this work to hold on to. Like, let's see something. And that I'm not saying like he's going to start or anything, but. For all of the work that they did to keep him on this team, you would think that he's going to live up to those expectations, even if it's just as a special teamer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as time goes on what his role will be and how much they can work him in. Obviously, this is a team that's very, very deep, the linebacker position. So really, special teams becomes his opportunity if he's going to get any play, any real significant playing time. Um, so let's move on. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. Let's start, Dave. Give us your, your, your breakdown of this offense um, and what you've seen as you started uh, looking at the tape on these guys. 
Did you watch the game on Sunday? I did. Did you watch it, Danny? Yes. Nick, you, mm-hmm. you saw it? Yeah. Uh, Alvin Kamara is really, really good football player. Yeah? That's, I mean, that's really my, that's my breakdown. Um, not really, but if you watch that game, not surprisingly, with a backup quarterback in the game who hasn't started in three years, uh, they really took the pressure off of Teddy Bridgewater and put it all on Alvin Kamara. I would venture a guess. I don't cover the Saints. I I would venture a guess that that is the most they have ever leaned on him, and he delivered. Uh, he did it all for them. He had 92 rushing yards. No, 92 receiving yards, excuse me, and he caught, what, nine nine passes? I think it was um, 60, 66 or 69 rushing yards. I've, mm-hmm. I've got it for you. Sorry. But he, on, on 16 attempts, which was interesting because in the previous two games he'd averaged – 13. He had 13 uh, carries on both those two games. Had 16 in this game. 16. A little bit of an increase, not a huge increase. 16 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. Really nice output on his part. Nine receptions for 92 yards and another touchdown. Brought this up in Jason Garrett's press conference. The amazing thing is, honestly, he he would have had a pretty pedestrian day if the Seahawks could have gotten him on the ground. I mean, if you watch the tape of this game, mm-hmm. he is banging off linebackers, dragging safeties. He dragged Jadavion Clowney at one point in this game. A 16-yard run right up the gut. Clowney grabs onto his waist, and he just carries him for like five yards. He's like, that's cool. That, Number one overall That sounds pick. like what you just described Jerome Bettis's career. Right. Like, been, <laughs> right. Honestly. It average if they just would have got him on no, the ground. You, 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 you said it yesterday. It's like the perception because of what they ask him to do is yeah. that he's like a scat back. Like, you know, Darren Sproles was so successful in New Orleans. It's just not true. Jason Garrett said it today. He weighs 215 pounds. He was running between the tackles. And these are not, like, yeah, these, these are not bad players that he was demolishing. Like, Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright are fantastic linebackers. And yeah. he made them look really bad. Yeah. Uh, he scored from 32 yards out on a – it was like third and 13. It was a clear-out screen. Like, let's see if we can get in position for a field goal and it, right before the half. And he just – he dragged half the defense and scored a touchdown. This is so exciting. Really is because Stephen Jones said that Tony Pollard is Alvin Kamara. He <laughs> says he's going to be Alvin Kamara, right? Yeah, he did say that. So, this so is excited. What, this is what Tony Pollard is going to be. To get, I want to. And you mentioned yeah, it. Maybe. You mentioned it. Like this is an offense with a lot of talent on it, just in general, though. And honestly. Uh, I don't think the Saints get enough credit for what they've done on their offensive line. Like, everybody gives the Cowboys so much mm-hmm. credit. Just looking at it, uh, you start Teron Armstead at uh, left tackle. He's a third-round pick. Andrus Pete at left guard, who was drafted to be a tackle, but he's a first-round pick playing guard. Eric McCoy was their first pick in the second round, I believe in the high or in the low 30s. Like, he's a, a very good second-round pick out of Texas A&M. Larry Warford, they got in free agency, but he was a high draft pick back in his day. And then Ryan Ramchick, which everybody talks about TJ Watt. Ryan Ramchick was drafted 31st overall in that draft, which, you know, I think the Cowboys are happy with Lyle Collins, but they could have gotten themselves a Pro Bowl caliber right tackle as well. You know, you know, um, you watch inside the NFL at all. They, it's Michael Irvin's on it now, I think, filling in for uh, Ray Lewis. But um, Phil Simms said yesterday, or he said it on the show, that the Saints have the best offensive line of football, better than Dallas. And he he actually picked the Saints to win the game just because of that. Now, yes, he doesn't like the Cowboys. But he's the anti-Irvin when it comes to that. But he did say Dallas is the number two team in the NFL as far as overall 
team, but he thinks the Saints will win because of their line. Their offensive line is really impressive. Uh, Michael Thomas is awesome. Traquan Smith is a third-round uh, slot number three receiver, and then you've got Ted Ginn. Um, 65 Oh, man, that can still run. Still running. He can still, still run. It. Where do I want to start? Which, okay, if you go watch this game, though, it was like – it was a perfect storm for Teddy Bridgewater to succeed because their undrafted punt returner, Deontay Harris, returns a punt for a touchdown for an early lead from the get. Fifteen minutes later, they break a 7-7 tie with a defensive touchdown. Uh, Chris Carson fumbles for Seattle. So you get 14 of your 33 mm-hmm. points from your defense and special teams. And then the rest of this was trying to not put this game on Teddy Bridgewater. I've yeah. said this a few times, but I retweeted it earlier this week somebody cut up every completion or no actually every throw of teddy bridgewater's game he threw for 177 yards which should lead you to know this was dink and dunk city like i think i counted three balls that went further than 15 yards downfield michael thomas five catches for 54 yards i wrote this down last night um where's he at where are you at michael thomas crossing route for 20 million a year i think last time i checked Three reception, uh, quick, like that. a quick slant to pick up a third and 14, a 10-yard out route, an eight-yard curl, six-yard crossing route, and then his touchdown was a bubble screen on the goal line where he caught it at the half-inch line and fell into the end zone, which I don't blame Michael Thomas for this. I think it's just smart play calling. You mm-hmm. talk about putting your quarterback in a position to succeed. Again, you know Drew Brees is a guy that can manipulate the pocket, throw down the seams, put the ball anywhere he wants to. Teddy Bridgewater's not that guy, at least not in his first start in three years on the road. And they played that way. And it's amazing to me, you know, I know Alvin Kamara is really good, but it's amazing to me that it worked that well. That's my main impression from this game is they were like, let's manufacture as many touches as we can for this running back and see how far he can carry us. And he carried them to a pretty lopsided win. I know they they won by six, but Seattle scored that last touchdown literally on the last play of the game. And one of the interesting things, in my opinion, about that is when you look at Seattle, I would think the part of their defense that's probably the best at this point is their linebackers. And so you would think a game where the Saints come in and say, we're going to rely on this running game, you would think that that flies in the face of what Seattle does the best. And you're right. They were getting just like blown away. I mean, I was I was shocked on one play where KJ Wright just basically got got bulldozed, and and I was like, that's that's KJ Wright. I mean, well, like it it just didn't it didn't play the way I thought it would play, and it made me think again. Going back to what you were saying about this offensive line, I think they're a big part of it, but I think Kamara also runs with some power, um, and, and teams have to be aware of that. Yeah, but you know, if Zeke rush is sixteen times for sixty nine yards, I mean, we're not talking about you know a great day actually. Now now he. That's not what Kamara At those strong. nine catches. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and a lot of those yeah. are around the line of scrimmage, and he's making plays and all that. I look back at this game and think that, you know, Russell Wilson and, and, and the Saint, the Seattle offense didn't do what they needed to do early. And so that's why the Cowboys, if they can put Bridgewater in a situation where you, you just can't dink and dunk like this, you're going to have to throw it. And that's what Seattle didn't wasn't able to do. And I do think that's that's important. Is I mean, 14 14- – uh, I think the Saints went into half- yeah Saints went into halftime with 20 points. 14 of them came from defense and special teams. They get down, they get into the end zone in the last possession of the first half. I think that's huge. Uh, just putting them up and allowing them to play this conservative game plan. Because I agree with you, they do have weapons, but like all right, outside of Kamara, 
this is this is what they did on offense. Uh, Bridgewater scrambled three times for 12. Taysom Hill had a gadget run for five. Latavius Murray, who they brought in to be their new Ingram, I don't think that's going to happen, by yeah. the way. I just Whether he's just lost it or whether Kamara's just that good, he carried the ball two times for two yards. Uh, Zach Line, their fullback, came in on the goal line and got stuffed. In the receiving game, you got Thomas and Kamara. Then after that, Ted Ginn caught two balls for 15 yards. Jared Cook caught one for seven. Hill had a gadget catch for five yards. And then Josh Hill, their tight end, had one catch for four yards. Like, hmm. lots of star power up here. And then, honestly, I don't – like, they don't have anybody else that really scares me. And I think it would be different if Drew Brees was there because he can make anybody look good. Well, the one thing but I will throw out there, I think you have to remember that they were on the road and playing in one of the loudest stadiums in the league with this new quarterback. So yes. I would say that that's going to be a little bit of a different situation than them playing in the Dome. Um, and the one thing I know about their head coach he is a guy that knows how to manufacture offense using a lot of different weapons. And so I, we were there years ago when I remember a fullback that I don't even remember the dude's name, but he mm-hmm. just ran oh, crazy over uh, the Cowboys. Carney. Yeah. No, and it, it, not, was it Carney? No. I don't know who Heath, it was. Heath Evans. It was, it was a fullback. And the point was, the point yeah, I'm making about touchdowns. that. Yeah. The point I'm making about that is this is an, you, you want to talk about all these young guys in the NFL who are considered to be brainiacs and know how to manufacture offense. Well, Sean Payton's been doing it before those guys, and he's every bit as good as those guys, in my opinion, in knowing how to get his offense to, to function. That game was in Dallas, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think Bridgewater is going to have longer passes, so I think this is going to be very different than what we saw because, first of all, he has the confidence from that first win. He now has more time practicing and more comfort with, with his players. I think it's going to be different. I think it's not just going to be the what you the dunk city. What would you call it? Dink and dunk city. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it'll be different. I think you're right. I don't think it'll look exactly like that, but I do. I feel silly saying it because it's easy to argue Michael Thomas is one of the three best receivers in the game, but I just don't know that they have the personnel to just go downfield on this defense. Like, I mean, you know, which ironically, Devontae Parker hurt them in the first half of that game against Miami, but I, I, I would be surprised to see them just chunking it downfield, often at least. I don't know. That that really is honestly. That's not even a big part of the offense when Breeze is there over the last year or so. I mean, he he's a guy he can still throw. I'm not saying he can't throw, but I don't think that's the biggest part of their offense. I think they're, they're the type of offense that can work their way down the field and they can use every part of the field. And that's what I was meaning by uh, by what their coach brings them. He'll he he really forces the defense to cover every single part of the field because he'll use the tight end in one area and he'll use a running back in one area and he'll use this third receiver in another area. And so it forces his defenses to really be able to spread out um, and that's what I think creates a lot of opportunity for them. Here's where I'll disagree and this is, I mean, I've got a lot more experience watching Drew Brees and the Saints than a lot of other NFL teams. It's where I grew up and I think this is a cliche like you're always like, oh quarterback can throw him open and blah 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 and yeah, like no NFL team just launches the ball downfield every down. But Drew Brees really is so accurate mm-hmm. that you can be completely covered and he'll still get it to you. Like, he does it with Thomas. He He's going to put Marcus Colston in the Saints' ring of honor because he can just throw it on – he used to just throw it on Colston's back shoulder and he would be absolutely blanketed right. and he would just use his body to make the catch anyway. And, like, it was not an advisable throw ever and it worked every time. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater can do that. And so, and I don't disagree with that. I agree with everything you just said. I and mean, so that's that's my point. Is like 
those 15 to 25 yard routes that Breeze could throw to Thomas time after time after time, I don't think it'll be there for him, which is why I think you look more at Alvin Kamara and it's like, we got to rally to this guy because that's how they're going to generate most of their offense is trying to put it on him, in but, my opinion. But I also think that they will have they will have lots of gadgets for this game. Oh, I, for sure. I just, knowing that coach, <clears throat> there are going to be a lot of things that they're going to try to come up with that will look to take advantage of this defense and and by trickery or whatever you want to call it. I don't think it's going to be they're going to line up every play and just look to throw the ball or even just to run the ball. I think they're going to do a lot of different things and mix it up enough to where they try to keep this defense off balance. All the stuff that we are excited to see the Cowboys try with Tony Pollard is stuff that they do with Alvin Kamara. He lines up on the boundary. He lines up in the slot. He motions out of both of those spots. They gave him the ball on jet sweeps in the Seattle game. They faked the ball to him on jet sweeps in the Seattle game. They used receivers. There's a play, I think it was in the third quarter. They motion Kamara, and he's killing him at this point. They motion Kamara on the jet sweep. K.J. Wright takes three steps toward the hash mark watching Kamara, and and the running backs passed him by the time he even realizes he doesn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to watch for is exactly right. not only what he can do, but the threat that he brings. Yep. And well, it's sorry, it's easier ahead. said than done, but I just I don't know. With Teddy Bridgewater in there, it's a different story with Breeze. But with Teddy Bridgewater playing quarterback, I think if you can limit him, you can really limit this offense. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we have some questions about that I want to throw at you. Uh, and we'll have a little more discussion on this offense. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. While a player could look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than just stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than just specs and features. You've got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. Experience one for yourself. Visit myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on-command? That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say, Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. The excitement of Dallas Cowboys football is back at AT&T Stadium. The place is going crazy in Arlington, Texas. Don't miss your chance to see the Cowboys live when they host their NFC East rivals, the Eagles, Giants, and Redskins, plus the Green Bay Packers and more. Elliott works his way through and walks the dog. Single game tickets are on sale now. Get them before they're gone. First and goal, quarterback sneak. Prescott pushes up the middle. Touchdown. Visit DallasCowboys.com to get your tickets to today back to the break check out free to play it's a predictive game in the dallas cowboys app you can win cash prizes ten thousand dollars is the grand prize gotta be 21 
years of age or older. Download the app for access on game days at DallasCowboys.com slash app. Free to play. It's free. You can win money. It's fun. People like to be right. Lots of money. Lots of money available. Make sure you check it out. All right. Um, we're going to get some questions, too. So if you guys want to call us, the number is 888-855-2297. Again, it is 888-855-2297. Or I'll take your questions on Twitter at Derek Eagleson. Um, one thought I had or a question that I had was uh, let's talk a little bit more about Teddy Bridgewater. If you had to, to narrow it down to what you think his greatest asset is and then his greatest weakness is, what would you say that would be? I think he's very cool under pressure. Like, you're, I don't think he's going to be super easily rattled. I mean, he went up and played extremely well at CenturyLink Field, which is a testament to that. Um, he's I mean, he, he's not a running quarterback. And right. Like, if you think that, you're not paying you're not attention. Yeah. yeah, but he is heady enough to scramble and, you know, move up in the pocket, and he, he converted a third down or two that way, 12 rushing yards, but hidden yards, right? And and I don't think he makes a ton of mistakes. He did almost he almost threw a pick six in this game when he had one of his guards fallen back into his lap. But he I don't think he's going to make dumb mistakes. I think that's his best attribute. I don't really watch him enough. I haven't seen him. I know I, all I know is that you know for a little bit with Minnesota he was he was a guy that that had him excited and then he didn't you know he got hurt and then. They, they were ready to sort of move on. And so, you know, he hadn't had a lot of opportunities, but he doesn't seem like the biggest guy to go look down the field and, and you know, survey the scene. But then again, he's replacing a guy who isn't either, and he just he's headed to the Hall of Fame. So, you know, I mean, the way that they have the structure that on the offensive line protects shorter quarterbacks. I don't think he's, like, really short, but he's not, like, a big, big guy. But – I can't say that I've seen him play a ton. I just know that there wasn't a lot of teams that were like wanting him to be their starting quarterback. Wasn't most of that the injury, though, uh, coming off the injury in, in Minnesota? Yeah. And also, he, there was just a video that was posted of him in the locker room after that win, just kind of like saying, like, I, I don't want to tear up, but like we need to cherish this moment after win, like never take this for granted. And I think that's something he's playing with that maybe he hasn't played with in the past of – because he was in Minnesota and then he was hurt and hasn't really played, he has this opportunity. And I think the weapons he has around him knows he can be good and he he really wants to perform. I feel like there are quarterbacks that just maybe don't don't have that certain like that extra piece of heart or mm-hmm. not that they don't want to play, but he's he's fighting for something that he still has it. And I think that can be pretty powerful too. And I think he's he's beloved in that locker room. I think if I remember right, he had a chance to sign with the Dolphins and and you know compete for the starting job there and he's from Miami and that made a lot of sense but he decided to stay with the Saints and be their backup and you know I think that loyalty means a lot to the guys in that locker room yeah you so can he's got foresight yeah that's yeah. I mean also like well, be the backup for one of the best teams in the league or start for a dumpster fire I mean yeah well knowing that Drew Brees we think is not going to play forever right but you don't know sure maybe he will uh, I I just I mean from what we've seen of him again it's his first start in a long time but I don't think he's going to come out and beat you slinging the rock I mean he could but this is a good secondary even with Cheeto's struggles last week in the beginning of that game Byron Jones has looked really good like Byron Jones doesn't necessarily look like a guy who missed all of training camp uh, so with all of that. Yes, Michael Thomas is something to watch, but I, I think that's a net win for the Cowboys' secondary because, again, 
and I know Ted Ginn can still run a four four. I get that, but like out, this is not a receiver core where you're like they just have so many mm-hmm. guys. Like I think most people who pay attention to the Saints would tell you that's a weak spot for them, and Drew Brees' ability kind of helps paper over it. Yeah. All right, let's. Uh, we got a question actually here uh, from DC Blue Star. The question was, do you think that twenty seven uh, gets Kamara duties again this year? And I think a lot was made of that the last time the Cowboys played them. Jordan Lewis, you know, he had some plays where, you know, where they kind of used him with Kamara. But I think one of you guys said earlier this week he played, it was what, seven plays that he had total in that game. Um, so I don't know that it was as much of a part of the game plan as people, are, mm-hmm. as, as you know, history tells us, right? Yeah. But that being said, what do you think the Cowboys do to try to negate some of what Kamara brings? Well, they scored 10 points in the game, and, and the defense was getting off the field a lot. So part of the, fa- the fact that he didn't have a lot of numbers there is he was probably, you know, the third down spy, third and long. And there wasn't a lot of those situations because they were stopping him. So uh, he did well in that, but also nobody was expecting it. And I don't think you can come back and, and do it again. And so uh, I think that was the element that made it work is that Jordan Lewis, he hasn't played a lot. And now all of a sudden he's the guy that's shadowing. It makes sense. But I doubt that they'll they'll just say we're going to do that, at least for as many plays as they did in that one. Um, but might, if it's not him, it could be somebody else. But, you know, I just think Kamara's role is different than it was. That's what I was going to say is I'm looking at last year's box score right now. Uh, Kamara did lead the team in carries. He had 11, but Ingram was out there. Ingram had seven carries. Uh, Ingram had two receptions in that game. I just think there was a more even split. And again, Kamara has never been a typical scat back, but they did used to split that workload a lot more. I don't expect that to be the case in this game. Like Latavia, like I said, Latavius Murray hasn't shown you anything resembling what Mark Ingram this, can do. This is, to me, what... I mean, I'm not saying they're the same back, but whatever plan that they had for Barkley, you know, what they wanted to do to stop a dynamic featured running back is something they should do sim- you know, in a similar way. Now, Barkley, maybe they should do better than that. Because Barkley... similar. Well, I mean... I know what you're saying. Treat but, him that way. But if you can't stop him, you can't stop him. But I mean, treat treat him like mm-hmm. a a running back that can hurt you in you know inside the tackles and outside. This is going to be a fun litmus test because there's kind of a you know the storyline going right now is Joe Thomas got involved against the Dolphins. Like, is everything okay with Jalen? Is Leighton Vander Esch playing up to his ability? Well, we will we'll know. We'll know at the end of this week, probably. Cause, and, and Jordan Lewis might have something to do with this, but for the amount that Kamara is going to be playing, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to make the difference in this game, even if they did do it again. What, I think it's going to be about how your linebackers and safeties rally to him and tackle him. Because again, I mean, please, if you can, go find the highlight package. Because like, it's, I know he's a good player, but it's embarrassing on the Seahawks' part, like how often he was just able to shed them. And yeah. I mean, like. You know, running into linebackers full speed and kind of just spinning and and off to the races. Like he did it four or five different times where they should have had him stopped for anywhere from zero to four yards and he turned it into an eight to 15 yard gain. There have been little rumblings I think I've seen on Twitter. You guys may have seen them as well of people talking about the linebackers this year. I think mainly because they haven't made the big splash plays. What do you guys think overall just in the play of Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith this year so far? I mean, I, I think that 
they are the core of the defense, in my opinion, and they're right there in the middle. And they, the defensive line has been good at times. The secondary has been pretty good. I mean, they've all had their their moments, but I just think those two guys are, are the ones that get it done. Now they they haven't had those huge turnovers. Well, Jalen Smith had a pretty big turnover last week and yeah. forcing that fumble. But I, I, it's the tackles. They're not all over the field making a, you know a, a ton of plays, twenty tackles a game or anything like that. But I still think it kind of starts with them. Their ability to run sideline to sideline uh, is, is kind of what makes this defense go. So um, I think they've played pretty good. But we've ex- we expect them to be like the best linebackers in the league. And when you, that happens, you expect bigger. Plays. So we've been saying about the defensive line too. The first three games, mm-hmm. the standards with Rod Marinelli and the defense in general is so high. And you guys were talking about it on Cover Four this week of just people are being so critical because they know what this team can do. And it's not that they're playing terrible, they're not you know, but right. it's just we've seen what they can do, and I don't think they've hit that yet. I haven't seen the instincts yet this season. Like Sean, this was Sean Lee's hallmark when he was at his peak, and Van Der Esch and Jalen have both done it at times. Is like the quarterback is dropping his arm back to throw and they're already on the move like you can see it in real time you're like oh he's gonna blow this up and the ball hasn't even left the quarterback's hand yet we haven't seen that yet uh i i I think there's room for both of them to improve i do think it's it's at least curious that joe thomas got involved as much as he did on sunday you know jalen spent a series on the sideline he didn't appear to be hurt um, I know, you know, there's people saying he rushed the passer more in that game, but linebackers blitz all the time across the league. So I don't know if I buy that. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's the Dolphins that, you know, they took care of business. Jalen forced a fumble in the red zone. I think it's a lot of hand wringing and I haven't seen enough evidence to concern me yet. I think I do think they need to raise their level of play to meet the expectations that they have put on themselves. Right. But you know, I don't. I, it's not something that I'm losing sleep about right now. But again, sorry, Nick. But this this game will be a great litmus test for how far they actually have to go. Jalen Smith is, is has 11 tackles in each of the first three games. I mean, that's mm. that's a that's a pace for 176. Um, last year, I think it was 150. I think Layton was at 176. He's you know he has the forced fumble. He has a, a fumble recovery as well. I I think that that's pretty solid. I mean that, that's that's really good. Van Der Esch is the one that had um, his his tackle numbers are down a little bit, uh, nine five and eight. He did have the half sack, forced fumble, recovery, and all that. But I I think the the style of the game too is is a part of it. You know, last year you know they were winning these closer games where teams are playing you know and their their base offense a lot more. Now with with having a second half lead the way they have and playing a more of a bend but don't break defense you 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 are going to have take less chances you're going to keep the guys in front of you more make the tackle keep the clock going and i think that's just not going to not conducive to making as many impact plays i agree with and yeah i'm i'm interested to see what this defense looks like in a game where it, the outcome is in doubt in the fourth quarter i still i mean they were ugly in the first half against the Dolphins. I just there's mm-hmm. there's no way to get out from under that, and they deserve credit for being much much better in the second half. But they you still don't want to see a defense that's supposed to be elite struggle with such a bad team like that. So, um, 
there I mean there's plenty of room for improvement. It just hasn't been as bad as some people want to have you believe in my opinion. And we say struggle relatively speaking. Right, exactly. They gave up 6 points. Struggling right? so, as much yeah. as you can struggle when you hold them to 260 yards and win right. by 24 points. Right. Uh, are we going to talk about the pass rush at all? Yeah, why don't we do this? Let's yeah. take our final break. We'll come back. Let's talk about the pass rush. Uh, see what Nick has, has cooking over there. He stats. should have something There's for us. All right, we'll do it when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store and learn how to buy one smartphone and get a second one on us. Based on GWS1 score September 2018. It's time for tailgate with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox? The makers of those crazy protective phone cases? The one and only. They're also wild about protecting parking lot parties from sad drinks. It's why they made Elevation Tumblers. Rumor around the Crock-Pot is they're made from stainless steel with a copper lining to keep temps hot or cold. True. They even come in seven different sizes up to 64 ounce. The Growler. Hmm. I like how Otterbox drinks. I mean, thanks. And that's been tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation tumblers at otterbox.com. A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at stetson.com today. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broadus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. To the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Just before we went to break, Nick had a little something to tell us about the pass rush. Nick, what you got? Well, I, you know, they, they got Robert Quinn to, to be a compl- not a complimentary guy, just be another pass rusher on the other side of D-Law. And in one game, I mean, he, he's doing exactly that. Um, they, they have a stat here. I, I don't know exactly when they started keeping pressures as a stat. I get it. Harvey Martin, Tutal Jones, Bob Lilly, they probably did it a ton. But they really started keeping this about 15 years ago. And since they've done that, only four times has somebody had seven pressures in a game. D. Ware did it twice. Demarcus Lawrence did it once. And now Robert Quinn has done it. And the fact that he's done it, you know, in one game, I mean the the fact that he just one game, and that's is that what we're going to get out of him? No, probably not. The Dolphins are, probably don't have the best offensive line. Where it sounds like we're, he's going to face a, a better line this week, but to come in and tie the Cowboys' record for pressures in one game, I mean that that just shows that you know that's what you want. You want him to get around the edge and be that kind of player. It was good timing. He came back with Crawford being out with a hip mm-hmm. injury, and we've been talking all week. I mean, three wins are three wins. Regardless, these these are good players on the teams. I do think this is the point in the season when you start hitting more balanced teams and teams who have been performing better. So it'll be interesting to see how Quinn can handle the next few games since 
Yeah. We've only seen one game with him with the Cowboys since he, you know, fractures hand through training camp. So, and also take into account when and if Crawford comes back. How they, how, yeah, how they how make Quinn's it work. play will affect right. that decision. You know, I think another thing that, that seems to me anyway, I don't have any empirical proof of this, but seems to me weeks four, five, six, that time frame of the season is when teams that are that have good veteran players, where the veteran players start really showing up. I think I believe it's because in today's NFL, a lot of veterans don't get a lot of time during the preseason uh, to play. But I think this is when you start seeing kind of those teams. that You see it every year. I, I see it in fantasy every year. You see at the beginning, like there are these players that are kind of showing up, and you're like, who's, who's this new guy? And around about four or five is when you start seeing the regular mainstays, those guys that have been around for a long time, been doing it really well for a long time. They start to kind of show up. And so that's where I, I look at this and I say, I think this is coming at a good time because, you know, you're, you're about to match up two really good teams um, that should be hitting their strides about now. You know, you've played enough games now where they should start figuring out what they do well, what they don't do well, hide the things you don't do so well, and do more of the things that you do well. And that's where I think teams start kind of getting on these roles. So I'm interested to see at this point, they've had these three games, like you said, against teams that may not be great, but at this point, they should know a little bit more about those things. So they should go into a game like this, I think, very, very well prepared hit their stride, and do some things that maybe they they kind of figured out that this team does really well and do them, do them more often. Regardless, I mean, even if they lose to the Eagles tomorrow night, the Packers will be 3-1 and one heading into this to the next game. So, yep. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, this is where it gets tough. Um, I mean, I know it's the NFL. We keep yeah. saying that. They're all tough, tough every week. But, I mean, shoot, I, I study the Dolphins – I study the opposing team. I already forgot who plays tackle for them. Do y'all remember? <laughs> no. I know I know Armstead and Ramchek are two of the best, and then I know the week after that they got Bakhtiari and Bulaga. Like you start to play guys. Some more that are right among the best. Yeah. yeah. It's we're gonna we're gonna have a much better idea soon of I mean everything. Like I said, can Jalen and Van Der Esch handle a guy like Alvin Kamara? Can Demarcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn get home against Pro Bowl caliber tackles? Uh, I mean it is a difference. You know, I was looking at this list of seven pressures, and there's some six on here as well. Sean Lee got six in a game against Baltimore. Like, that just seems weird. Yeah, it does seem that weird. That you would blitz enough. Six blitzes in a game, but then to—, to What year was that? 2012. How about— hmm. I mean, I it feels six? like a, it feels like another wow. lifetime. In 2013, my first season, Sean Lee had six interceptions and took two of them to the house. Really? Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying is like that you're like that doesn't sound like him that doesn't sound no, like no it doesn't sound the like the Dallas him. defense returning an interception for a touchdown what that world are we living in to a Pro Bowl, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a little high on the six six it was, picks it was either five or six I would bet my life oh and I just I, that's a lot it's six a lot. interceptions that's a ton I don't remember the touchdowns yet I mean he had uh, Eagles. He had one. All right, I'm, yeah. I got it right here. And two of them were pick sixes. Wow, twenty. I don't recall that twenty. Damn it! It was four. I was close. <laughs> he had one touchdown. But two of but two more touchdowns or one? One. Okay. And Eagles. it was a uh, nope. Chargers. They lost oh, that yeah. game. It was okay. when Terrence Williams fumbled stretching for the goal line. Mm, I remember that yeah. game. And, and I do remember his first pick six was against uh, Peyton Manning. Skandrick had one that he game. had. Sean had four picks in two different seasons. He yeah. did it in eleven too. He's. I mean, I, I don't know where he ranks on all-time linebackers for interceptions. I feel like Leroy Jordan, Chuck Halley, those guys had some. But he's he's up there, too. Dexter Coakley got a lot of picks as yeah, well. Yeah, didn't Dexter Coakley go to a Pro Bowl one year after he had a couple pick sixes? Two on, two on Thanksgiving Day, yeah. and, and we were like, you know what, well, that'll help him make the Pro right. Bowl. And he did, you know. Yeah. But, um, and you know, Van Der Esch is, I guess he's got 
two? Yeah. Two back-to-back games at last year. Philly and Philly Atlanta. Philly and Atlanta. Yeah. Those, were, those were big plays in the game, too. So That's, uh, I think, you know, we talked about the instincts and the tackling, and that's super important, especially in a game like this. But people will probably forgive some of that if you can start getting your hands on some footballs, too. And that, they've absolutely. had chances. You know, they ha- they've and had that, plenty of chances. I mean, that's the story of the Dallas defense as long as I've been here. It's like, ah, Almost. Just almost. We were talking about Luke Gifford earlier, and I wasn't going to bring this up again. But, you know, he he's in an absolute perfect spot to be a really I, – I don't know if he's got the talent to be a good linebacker, but he's in a perfect spot. Any young linebacker is because when you think about instincts, preparation, desire, will, all that, there's probably nobody better than Sean Lee. It's just unfortunate with the injuries and all that. But he, from preparation standpoint and knowing where you're supposed to be and lined up, Sean, Sean Lee's perfect to be there with. How about hitting, tackling, flying around the ball? Jalen Smith does that as well as anybody. The hardest hitter might be Joe Thomas. When he comes in the game, he's just pissed off one to hit people. And then you got the combination of all of that with Leighton Vanderesh. It's just a great spot for a young linebacker to be, to maybe learn from all of those guys. And, and you know, especially Joe Thomas being ready when you come in the game, get in there and, and, and make an impact. That's And I, look, I get it. They just gave Jalen a lot of money. You want to see him play up to it, but he hasn't it it's not so drastic that i'm worried about it and if the upshot of that is that there's their fourth linebacker is good enough to come in and take some snaps and play well against an overmatched opponent i'm just not worried about that right. let's talk again in two or three weeks and it'll be a different conversation hopefully for the better but it's just not we, at a point where i'm losing sleep are we sure it. that this wasn't just a like a Zeke Pollard thing? Like, yeah, see, that's, that's where I look at it, too, is when you're playing a game, a game like this where the Cowboys got by the third quarter, they kind of put this game out of hand. I mean, it, it, is that well, just a situation where they're just kind of giving my counter? Like, Jalen came out in the first half when the game was still not a what put away like that. But in a game like this where they would expect that they're going to Yeah, win, it's totally possible. Would, could they have gone into the game saying, hey, let's – Let's kind of use these other this other guy a little bit more, just because we feel like we can do it. It is possible that that's what happened. Yeah, we don't know. Um, so yeah, we, but I, I just I'm I'm struggling to get worked up about this based on what we've seen so far. Net net is it's not a concern right now, and I, I think Jalen's played okay. I think again, as I preface this, I think there are just rumblings. People on Twitter like. They're expecting to see more of these big he gets, plays. He gets beat and, by receivers over the middle. Well, but the, you just mentioned it. 11, 11 tackles 11 in each tackles of the three games. games. Like, uh, that's, man, I, that's I, not a, I quibble with that because if you're catching guys 12 yards downfield, it, it counts as a tackle, but it's not one that anybody's pumped about. Right, yeah, but, but if you're catching guys down the field at the linebacker position, right. that, that's, that's a good thing. There's not a lot of linebackers that can catch people down the field. Well, My point it, is— What if he's 12 yards downfield because of something you misread? Will, will you go to the game? games like you, yeah. you watch it I mean like he's playing pretty well he's around the ball he's doing what your middle linebacker I think is supposed to do 11 yeah. tackles what is line number one for a linebacker person most important job is you got to tackle and I think if you're getting 11 tackles a game at linebacker if a safety's getting 11 tackles a game now I think you're probably in a little different situation yeah but for a linebacker to get 11 tackles per game in the first three games that's significant to me I think he's doing his job I am I am not worried about it I'll say it again but you know these these next two teams will provide a much clearer idea of whether or not it's a problem. Absolutely. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us. We're back tomorrow, 1145. Till then for Nick Eatman, Dave Helm- Hellman, Danny Sarek. This is Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. 
This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?